Hey Rebels, my name is Matthew Barton. Welcome to the Rebellion Brewing Podcast. One of our newest beers is something unique and not tried before by the brewers at Rebellion. President and CEO Mark Heisey joins me today to talk about what makes our brand new beer Haymaker so unique and special. So let's get into it. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here. I'm uh, flattered to be asked back on this show. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's as if we pay you to be here. Yep, yep, something like that. One of the reasons I asked you to come on to the podcast again to talk about haymakers because it was something that I've never really encountered before and I feel is going to be new to a lot of people. Yeah, without trying to get too far into it, um, there's not a lot of brewers in Saskatchewan um, doing these types of beers just yet. And so, yeah, you and me were just kind of reflecting on it. And I was like, yeah, like very, very, there, there just isn't a lot here. And so uh, I think we noticed that our staff wasn't overly familiar with this type of beer. Uh, and so it's probably quite likely that beer consumers in Saskatchewan aren't that familiar either. So here we are. Safe to assume somebody listening to this podcast is not just a diehard beer person, but they're actually maybe kind of curious about what the heck Haymaker and Kavik Yeast is. So can we tell the origin story? The origin story, quite simply, is that uh, a lot of uh, brewers are now using Kavik yeast. We'll get into that. Um, we haven't uh, played around with Kavik yeast a whole lot. Most of the Kavik beers I've tasted, um, quite frankly, I thought tasted kind of like puke or rotting garbage. And so I was never uh, all that eager to do it. But uh, Zal and Vanessa, they were kind of, uh, they kept kind of leaning on me to try it. And uh, so I eventually caved in and said, okay, you guys can try a draft beer and uh, we'll see how it goes. So that, that's pretty much it. How long did it take them to talk you into it? Um, I don't know. It took a while. I mean, I, anytime the topic of Kavik ever came up, I was just, I pretty much just barked about how terrible it is and I don't ever want to drink those beers or make those beers. So I think uh, I was just deliberately cutting off that conversation from even happening. But um, eventually they were able to slide in uh, and ask me. And when, once they actually asked me, I said, yeah, okay, fine. If you want to make a puke. I just said, as long as it doesn't taste like puke. And, uh, I don't think this one does taste like puke. And so they were very proud that they accomplished uh, the goal of impressing me with this beer. So, <laughs> And from start to finish, do you know how long it took us to make this thing? Uh, it f uh, so the fermentation time is typically what we look at. The fermentation time on this beer, uh, I want to say it was around nine days. And um, so when we use our uh, what we would call our clean American yeast, uh, the timeline on that is uh, on, to, on our, uh, what would, I would call kind of our simple basic beers is about five days. And our coal yeast, which we use in beer and uh, occasionally in other types of beer, is around seven days. So it actually ended up taking a little bit longer. And um, <clears throat> that was a little bit surprising because the whole, a lot of the whole uh, fad, I guess, or the, uh, the, the real excitement around using Kavik, which what uh, Zal and Vanessa sold me on was that if you can uh, you can make fairly clean tasting beers in an even even shorter time in as short as three days. Um, I've said it many many times. Uh, time is money when it comes to brewing because you only have so many tanks and so many vessels and so many days in a year. And so if you if your yeast can produce more beer faster, uh, that ultimately allows you to make more beer and hopefully make a little bit more money. So. Um, 
not that it's all about money, but that's definitely something that impresses me because we are quite challenged with space and fermentation tanks and all that sort of stuff. So that's what why I was really, I was encouraged to give it a try, but the results actually kind of showed otherwise. So that was just kind of interesting. I know yeast can have a personality. They can have a kind of way of being and, and brewers, people handling the material over time can learn ideal temperatures, ideal speeds, they can kind of figure it out. Is the Kavik yeast we use some, maybe something that needs one or two batches to really get ahead of steam to capture that shorter period of time? Yeah, again, I would say, you know, we only did one batch. And so we, we even chatted about that. We said, you know, that could just be an anomaly or, you know, maybe uh, the way, when it was shipped here, it wasn't handled properly. And so it wasn't as healthy of a pitch. Or, but we, we, we do a, a yeast propagation before we ferment. So um, <clears throat> this is getting fairly technical. Hopefully you guys can follow. But um, so we, we get uh, live yeast shipped to us from yeast, a yeast lab. Um, we primarily use escarpment labs uh, out in Ontario, and so they ship it to us, direct ship, you know, overnight shipping, that sort of thing, um, so that it hopefully doesn't get caught in transit or get hot or anything like that, and they put ice packs in it and all that sort of stuff. Um, but what we do when we get that yeast is um, we will we will divert, we'll take 200 liters of another beer or wort from another batch of beer, and we'll throw the yeast into that. So two, and we, but we ultimately make two thousand liters of beer at a time. So by dumping that 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 amount of yeast into a smaller bit, allows it to kind of wake up and get going and kind of you know shake the rust off after a you know a long journey all the way from here to Ontario. Think about when you have a if you drove from here to Ontario, you'd need to get out and stretch your legs a little bit. You're not quite ready to uh, to do a bunch of you know heavy exhausting work. So that's kind of the whole idea about about propagating, and that builds up the yeast again, wakes it all up, and gets it going. And then we brew a 2,000 liter pitch, and so we're we're pretty comfortable with that process. But anyways, that's a long winded way of saying um, I don't think it was necessarily an anomaly, but but it still could be. It really was only one one trial. Uh, to answer your question about if you could speed it up. So again, um, yeast and fermentation and all that stuff is very dependent on temperature. The warmer you ferment, typically the faster it will, it will ferment. But the warmer you ferment is when you start getting the gross, nasty flavors like the pukiness or this or that. Or, you know, if you're working with a lager yeast uh, at warmer temperatures, you can get a lot of sulfur or diacetyl or, you know, whatever else, right? So um, you kind of have to balance that. And so again, the yeast manufacturers kind of have a recommended temperature range, this or that, or the other thing. Um, so again, you know, we were just kind of going with what we thought we should be an ideal temperature to get a relatively clean uh, Kavik yeast fermentation. And uh, anyways, it still ended up being a lot longer than we than we expected. Homebrewers, correct me if I'm wrong, they use carboys, and they basically ferment at room temp. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, some folks might have a temperature control, the more advanced brewers. You'll build what you call a fermentation temp uh, chamber, um, which is basically converting a fridge or a freezer um, to just cycle on and off to keep your to keep the carboy at a specific temperature that you want. Um, that's Our fermentation do. tanks, do we, we basically temperature? Have the same, yeah, we basically do the same sort of thing. It's a lot more advanced, and it's using glycol chilling. And there's multiple temperature probes because the tanks are so much bigger. So it's basically creating like an aggregate temperature based on, you know, the, the temperature at the top of the tank and the bottom and the middle because, uh, you know, heat rises. So uh, the temperature at the top is not going to be the same as at the bottom, right? So it's really important. Uh, again, nerdy stuff for uh, anyone planning to open a commercial brewery, uh, don't cheap out and get a single probe uh, tank because you'll end up with really crappy beer and you'll be wondering why all your beer sucks. And it's because you cheaped out and didn't buy enough uh, a tank with enough temperature probes. So I've seen that at a lot of breweries. And 
Yeah. Really? Yeah. Anyways, I mean, it's what you don't know what you don't know. Uh, as a homebrewer, you don't. I, I, I honestly didn't know those things. Someone else had to tell me that when we were buying the tanks. I'm like, yes, I'm going. Now that I know this, I am going to not cheap out on these tanks. Thank you very much. Without further ado, let's have a taste of this haymaker. Excellent. Yes. So we poured it a little bit earlier. Um, there's just, you know, there's, um, it's ultimately, it is fairly subtle yeast character. Um, however, I, as I've t even told our staff, if you taste it next to say like our beer or, you know, really any other, you know, relatively clean uh, beer that doesn't have a lot of like fruit or hops, just kind of like a simple, straightforward beer, the, the, es the ester profile in this will just jump right out at you the difference. When you say ester, what does that mean? Yeah, so esters are typically, so that's a yeast-derived um, compound, uh, and they're typically fruity. Um, I find these ones uh, kind of like a pear, uh, maybe apple, although apple typically isn't an ester. Apple is typically uh, referred to as acetaldehyde if you've got green apple, and that's a flaw. Um, and so I just want to be careful of that. I don't, this is not acetaldehyde, but it's that pear-y, apple-y kind of a... Uh, it, 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 it's it, to me to me it's exotic because you don't come across that type of an ester profile in most yeasts. Uh, this is a Kavik yeast, and so you should expect something a little different. I think it's a little bit of a shock to the palate if all you've been drinking is like a very laid back beer, like beer beer. Uh, if I drank that or a bunch of pilsners in a row right before having this, it would sh shock me. It would freak me out a bit. Absolutely. Um, and and I we I did that actually last night. I was uh, I was drinking a pint of Zilla um, with uh, some of my relatives, and they said, "Oh, I, we want to have a taste of that haymaker." So I, you know, we all got a you know got a little sample uh, taste of haymaker, and it really stood out just how wild and crazy and different it was. It just jumped right out, and uh, my aunt loved it, so she ordered a pint. Uh, my uncle and my dad, they stuck with their, their beers again. They, they, you know, and it's great. Everyone knows what they like and they, they didn't say it was bad. They just say, well, you know, I think, uh, they were drinking beer and cerveza and they said, well, we'll just, we'll just stick with that. We're happy with that. One of the things that I preconceived notion thought it was going to be was maybe a little bit farmy pukey. And this to me reminds me more of like a wine kind of character. Yeah. You can get some whiny kind of esters or uh, profile in there. Um, I think the closest reminder, so, so Kavik yeast is like kind of like a, a Norwegian kind of a, it's all from Norway and they'll refer to them as a Norwegian farmhouse style. And, um, so if you're familiar at all with any of the Belgian style beers, <clears throat> in particular the Saisons, or, you know, we would call that a, a, also a Belgian farmhouse type ale. I think that that's probably the closest comparison. A Belgian a Saison or a Belgian farmhouse type beer is going to kind of have that w unique ester profile, but there's also going to have some phenols usually typically, and the phenols are going to be kind of spicy, spicy and peppery. Um, Kavik doesn't have the spicy peppery note. It just kind of has that weird, eh, it, 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 I don't know, I guess you call it weird, not in a bad way, but it's, it's got that weird ester profile. So I get a lot of that. Um, when you mentioned, when, when we say farmhouse, some people, again, may get turned off by that. Um, again, it's just kind of a, I don't know, I don't want to say a je ne sais quoi, but uh, it's just, it's just, a, it's just something a little, a little funky, a little wild. Um, they just can't quite, I can't always necessarily put my finger on it. I know it when I taste it and, and I taste it in this beer. Uh, not in an offensive way. Um, when we talk about like say goatee or horsey or horse blanket, that's starting to get a little rank. Um, you'll find that in like a, a, a lambic style beer, which is another uh, Belgian style of uh, sour beer. 
And again, that it's 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 a lovely character in at the right time in the right place, but it can be quite offensive to someone if you've never had it before. For people who have had saisons, one of the things I remember experiencing with saisons is I tend to get stuffed up. It uh, really hits me in my sinuses, and then I lose my sense of smell because I'm just plugged up. And this doesn't really give me a stuffed up feeling. And usually I feel that within the next five to ten minutes of my first sip. And the first time I had this, the second time I had it, I didn't get stuffed up. What's going on there? Yeah, so again, uh, this particular Kavik strain is supposed to be a little more subtle and subdued. And again, because we fermented it cooler, you're going to get less of that. So, you know, again, when I think about when, uh, and, and not just homebrew, because I've had a lot of commercial examples too, but when you're using kind of different yeasts like that, and they, and, they, and they are, those types of yeasts do, can produce a lot of esters and phenols. Um, maybe the brewer isn't uh, using, doesn't pitch enough yeast, so that creates stress on the yeast, uh, and or they're fermenting too warm, again, produces, put, puts stress on the yeast. It will produce a lot of those esters and phenols um, and almost too much. It might also produce some fusel alcohols. And so when you go and smell the beer or drink the beer, you're, there's a lot of airborne aromatics and uh, partic- they're particles, right? Like uh, microscopic. But nonetheless, if you, if you have uh, allergies and whatnot, yeah, it'll, it'll bother you. It'll stuff you up. And uh, so I, I mentioned the home brewing because when I would judge, I got to the point that uh, if, I was, if I was the one determining the category, who judged which categories, I would make sure I didn't judge the Belgian categories. I love Belgian beers, but I just I couldn't handle it anymore. You know, within about half an hour, I would get like just a splitting headache. Um, from just inhaling all these uh, esters and phenols. So uh, it's definitely a thing. Yes, you're not wrong. When you come back to saying um, fusel alcohols, it's something that we've talked about previously on the pod. We talk about it a lot at the office. What is fusel alcohol and why should people care whether it's in the product or not? So that's another uh, yeast-derived byproduct. Uh, Again, as I kind of said, it's the result of a poor fermentation. And uh, basically, yeah, you're put, the, the yeast is under too much stress. So instead of just producing nice, clean um, alcohol, it produces fusel alcohol, and um, <clears throat> which, you know, is basically, uh, it's, it's, it's the equivalent of like a rubbing alcohol. And the one little trick, I can't, I'm trying to blank out on who taught me this. Uh, it's someone, someone semi-famous in the brewing world, but it doesn't, I, I'm just blanking out right now. But if you basically take like little, a little dab of beer on your finger, Rub it on the inside of your wrist. Actually, it might have been Dave Holowaty. He was our brewmaster. Rub it on your wrist. And then if you smell the, your wrist, if it smells like nail polish remover, that'll, that definitely tells you there's a lot of fusils. I can usually just smell it and taste it on my own, and I will get like a, a crushing headache right away anyways. Um, but that's a surefire way. So I actually, while I was just talking now, I did actually do the test, and I don't smell any. Uh, nail polish remover on my wrist that acetone kind yeah, of yeah it's, it's literally it literally is acetone that's literally that the compound almost really yeah and so yeah you don't really want to drink that it's got a bite to it and um yeah if you're if you're someone who does who is an allergy sufferer um yeah you'll instantly i like i say i i suffer from really bad sinus headaches from allergies and i just i'll just get a pounding headache from that those types of beers one of the strange things I've noticed is I, I had this and you talk about that pear character. And I'm like, yes, it is, it is present. And I wanted to say grape, but I'm not confident enough to say I'm getting grape. It, it's, it's something different. It's fruity, but kind of a little bit sweet, I would, but not uh, overly so. I would agree with you, you know, now that I'm just kind of tasting it. There's a, there's, you know, there's a gentle sweetness from the malt that I think, you know, in combination 
kind of mimics that grapiness. There isn't there isn't quite as much acidity. Again, I just wanted to mention that this isn't a sour beer or a tart beer by any stretch. You're not going to get any of that. So yeah, I would almost think of it as like a, a very low acidic uh, grape kind of a character. Yeah, no, that's a really good uh, point. I'm glad you pointed that out. I'm still learning. I'm still struggling to figure out what I'm tasting. I would say this one might be a little bit weird for people who aren't into craft beer. But if they're a wine drinker, it might be something that they really can learn to love and, and fall for. Yeah, and again, like there's nothing offensive about this. We made it a relatively low alcohol beer, a relatively simple beer, so that we could just, you know, we really did want to see what this yeast does and 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 understand the character and essence of this yeast. And uh, so I really encourage everyone to at least at least give it a try, and, and then you can wrap your head around what Kavik is. Is it for you? Is it not for you? But I don't, I don't think anyone would be, you know, offended by it. But, you know, is it going to be your favorite? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. When I taste it, I think, man, this would be really nice with some goat cheese and some crackers and some fruit on a charcuterie board. Well, what crosses your mind when you think of food pairings with this beer? Yeah, I think I, I agree with you on that. I think um, any any just about any beer that has like some interesting esters, you know, the, that that little bit of fruitiness um, is always going to be a great match for for cheeses. Obviously, this one's a little lighter. So, again, with some of those breeze, uh, uh, you know, some of those soft, creamy cheeses like that, um, you may not think of those as being fruity. But with the right beer pairing, it actually brings out all of the fruity cheese. A lot of cheese does have a fruit note in it. And, you know, if you talk to people that really know their cheese, they'll, they'll talk about that. And uh, so it's really fun with the right beer, how it can draw those characters out and just make it pop and come alive. So this is definitely a foodie type of a beer. I, I would recommend it. But again, it's not a super big, strong, powerful beer. So you wouldn't want to go with like, you know, really, you know, I wouldn't say have it with a steak or something. Steak's too big and beefy and powerful. Um, but anything lighter like that, any seafood dishes, you know, any like cream sauce, pastas, uh, I think we mentioned, you know, like even lighter desserts, like an apple strudel or, or something like that. I think that would pair really well. What was that? Um, salted caramel or maybe a a cheese with a salt character, like a salt wash on the rind. Yep. Um, maybe again, you're going to get some of that interesting contrast with the salt. Uh, the bit, the bit of salt is uh, again, going to be a nice accent for, cause this isn't a sweet beer, but it's not a, a harsh or bitter beer or a dry beer either. So it's it's gonna it's gonna pair nicely with that. Whereas if you had like an overly bitter beer or an overly dry beer with a salty snack, it's just gonna make it um, it's just gonna make it even more harsh and aggressive, and you're gonna be like, Bleh, no, thank you. Like don't don't eat salted peanuts with an IPA. Please don't ever ever do that because it will be gross. This one isn't coming out in cans. Where can people find it? Uh, well, we have it on at the tap room, uh, growlers and pints and all that. You know, like say. Uh, don't don't hesitate to ask for even just a splash. Like I say, you know, we we order that at our table just uh, just so that everyone could say, hey, we tried it. Um, and actually, I just grabbed a sample here so that we could record the podcast. And there was uh, two tables doing the exact same thing while I was there. And uh, one gentleman had just come up and said, you know what? That was my favorite beer on the table. I need a pint of that one. So again, uh, uh, there's there's people that have favorites all all along. Um, I just, 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 and I just wanted to circle back when you mentioned the, uh, when you suggested grape, I think that that's really important. You know, we, we just had a quick little staff beer tasting on Monday and, you know, anytime you're having a beer tasting, uh, I just would encourage anyone, it doesn't matter what your, your skill level is or experience. I really encourage people to just, just throw out what you're thinking. There's no wrong answers and it really, it helps you build beer vocabulary 
And um, even if someone says, well, it's not quite great, but maybe it's, you know, strawberry or like whatever, right? It extends that conversation and gets people thinking about it and it helps you build your vocabulary. And um, yeah, so anyways, uh, I, I just, some, sometimes if, you, if I'm drinking beer with other people, they're, they, they're just like, they just, they just freeze up. They don't want to say anything. Um, actually, and during the, the staff tasting, uh, one of the staff said something and she, she's kind of said it quietly under her breath while I was serving some beer. And I said, what did you say? And she said, nothing. She said, nothing. I didn't say anything. I said, no, you have to tell me what you said. And I'm blanking out now, but whatever she said was really good as well. So don't be scared to say what you're tasting. I know it's not Haymaker related, but I really have missed those kind of staff beer tasting sessions. It, this was kind of the first one we've got to have in a, in a long, long time. And it was, it was killer. It was great to see the light bulb going off in some of the people's uh, heads. You know, you could see their eyes really opening up to the, the joy of tasting beer. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, uh, I, I'm not going to deny I, I do drink beer by myself. Uh, maybe that sounds like a bad thing. But, you know, it's, uh, to dissect a beer, it's always far better. Uh, you're going to dissect it a lot better. And it's just, frankly, more enjoyable with a few other people around. So, um, yeah, it's, it's nice if we can hopefully start doing a little bit more of that. The, the one from that tasting, and again, this is not Haymaker, but the one beer from that entire tasting that really stuck with me and I'm kind of really craving and wanting to have some more of is that uh, Cabin Brewing uh, Pilsner. Yeah, the Luminosity. Luminosity. It's fantastic. So I did. I had a sample tray at Cabin, and uh, Luminosity was on there. So, I mean, I ordered a pint. That was my, my, my pint. My pint order was the Luminosity. Luminosity. And uh, when I bought a flat of beer to take home, I got two four packs of the Luminosity because it was that good. So it was exceptionally amazing. As a pilsner goes, I would say uh, Blackbridge did a great one, but that Luminosity just really stands out in my mind as as uh, exceptionally delicious beer. Yeah, pilsners are not don't have to be lame. There's actually a large variety of types of pilsners and whatnot. And uh, if you're not familiar with Cabin, they're in Calgary. Uh, my buddy Jonas is the, the brewmaster there. Um, they make awesome, awesome beers. Uh, if you see their beers, buy, you can buy with confidence. I can tell you that. Just about anything that Cabin makes is going to be good. It, it, was, it was a great experience, and I, I just, I'm so glad that we got to do that, share those beers, and then come back and, and really dissect Haymaker today. So I just want to say thank you for your time. Yeah, this was good. Uh, yeah. Geeking out on beer is why I got into this. And so uh, we do a pile of other million and one other things, but we're ultimately about beer. So it's nice to do an episode just about beer. Rebels, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, be sure to join us on our brand new Facebook group page, The Rebellion Brewing Podcast. I'm going to include links in the show notes so you can find more about Haymaker and check out our upcoming Wet Hopped beers. At the end of September, you check it out. Wet Hopped beers are coming this fall. It's going to be delicious. I'm also proud to let you know that we're members of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. It's a one-stop shop for tons of locally produced shows from across our province. You can find them at sasspodcastnetwork.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Untapped so you don't miss out on the latest in Sascraft beer news. Thank you for joining the Rebellion. 